Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. So join Izzy, Dave, and Matt as we talk about the world of combat sports on this episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. Thanks so much for uh, for coming in. And um, guys, so the conversation certainly turned more to sports entertainment, and I think for good reason, because all the news in the combat sport world over the last couple of weeks has certainly been around these, uh, what would you call them, uh, prize fights. Um, and is, is this the future of combat sport? Yes. Yeah? Yes? Is this a bit more of a purist? <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. Purism will take you to a certain level, uh, and then uh, showmanship will, t- will rise you to the, to the mainstream audiences. That's a really good way to look at it. I think, um, you know, as it, as it was said before, it was a really constructive way of viewing things now with combat sports is it's just the way it is and you have to accept it. I'd never thought of that before myself. I was just getting angry every time I saw one of these YouTubers fight someone who's been in the sport for their whole lives. Mm. I guess I am a purist maybe because for me I think about people who've dedicated the hard work that, you, that these people have done, like when you put your heart in a sport, as you guys know, and you obsess with the sport and you do it every day, it's all you think about every single day for years and years and years, especially the best combat athletes, mm. for them to be fighting someone on the world stage mm-hmm. who's put in 1% of that time, to me, I view that as a huge mm. no. <laughs> like it's to me that's so negative, that's so like... It, Shortcut. It's like going from, you know, A to B, A to Z with no none of the other letters in the alphabet. You know what I'm saying? Is, is, it, is it because social credibility uh, means so much? So that that's almost enough to balance off against the, the time, the dedication, the training, whatever you like to call it, um, where somebody's kind of come from the ground up. But having said that, did Jake Paul come from the ground up like he started with zero subscribers as well mm. it, it's uh that's fair. seven or eight years ago nobody had heard of him and his brother and and now you can't go anywhere without mm. seeing them um including in the boxing ring um and if they weren't at a level that where it was credible I, i'm pretty sure they wouldn't be on the stage uh, with some of these people and i think that fight with ben Askren was was really insightful Mm. True. Well, I uh, must admit I have challenged Ronda Rousey to a fight you, several you times. I have on Twitter. She's yeah. never gotten back to me. <laughs> but actually I think now if she did take the fight, I, I guess, you know, that's that would be a bit hypocritical for me to take the fight because <laughs> I'm not an MMA athlete. Do you, mm. Well, this is really interesting. Do you think that if, the, if you had a million followers on Instagram or if you had a huge cult following, do you, do you think that – that might pique Ronda Rousey's attention. I think so, 100%. I reckon if I had 3 million followers and a promoter saw, who's this random Australian girl who keeps <laughs> challenging Ronda on Twitter to a fight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe I'd have a shot. But um, Now, you have to build the audience. That's the thing is if you're a promoter or if you're putting on a big event and you want a, a, a premier athlete or something that's going to bring eyeballs to your uh, event, it's you have to have some, some interest, some storyline, some athlete that's going to mm. be there and it's like well this person jake paul or this person here has they have a built-in audience that will watch them and mm. and a core audience that absolutely hates their guts that will also pay to see them lose mm. if they go into a, a combat um arena so i think it's it's hard for people to i mean you've got your sport aspect like with boxing or with you know wrestling or whatever it is and mm. That sport will have its own limits and it's like these are the rules, these are the structures, this is a world championship, this is how you get to that point by following these rules, beating these people, finding your rankings, you know, scoring these points, whatever. Mm. That, that system will be in place, it won't change. But when it's, when it's a show, when it's a big event, when it's uh, something that you want the world to be able to see, it, mm. it requires that other element to it. I mean, mm. I've said this before, but like with the UFC, when when they put on a fight and it's number seven versus number eight, 
you know rank in the world and i don't know who they are i don't care i'm not mm. gonna watch it i don't know mm. uh, these guys are at the peak. yeah there's a handful of people that are in the on the planet that are better than them but it's like yeah that's right yeah hmm. if there's no story if there's no like oh this mm. guy unless they build something behind it and they can really get their marketing team and say well this guy's you know a striker and he's fighting a grappler and there's this or he hates him but if you go if you show me a video and go Oh, these guys are gonna fight, and this guy cheated on his girlfriend with him, and he hates that dude, and he's wanting, he wants to smash him. I know. I'm going. Oh, let me see it. Let me see. It. I want to see yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that, that's the difference. And I think it's just a mentality thing and a psychology thing that if you can build that audience. So, like with Jake Paul, with with these mm. other guys who who have never stepped foot in the boxing ring prior to you know recently, mm. um, but they have they have put that effort and time into building that. That storyline, that audience, that and and I would say the majority of people that know them dislike them, mm. um, and that's part of the reason that they will pay to see them fight, Get hoping hit. that they will lose. <laughs> well, actually, that is a reason I'd love to watch it. Right? Yeah. I think Tyron will will smash <laughs> <laughs> Jake Paul. I would put. What did you think last time, though? Do, where was your money uh, when it was uh, Ben Askren and, uh, and Jake Paul? Well, Askren has never been a striker. He's always been a wrestler, uh, even though he had, you know, multiple wins in, in world competitions. It was always based around his wrestling um, and his funky wrestling style. But mm. um, it was fucking disappointing to see his, <laughs> his, his uh, lack of effort going into that fight. I know he had hip surgery recently before leading into the fight, but... You know, showing up with a dad bod and and getting knocked out in the first round is an embarrassment to mm. sports in general. I think if you've if you've gone world the world level and then that's the performance that you've put on, not to take anything away from you know the punch that Jake landed because it was mm. I've seen a couple of replays from a few different angles. It was a legitimate punch that landed pretty hard, but. I think uh, Ben could have done so much more to have been ready for that. I don't know if you've even trained boxing like to get into it. It was just like, what did you do, mate? What you know, you didn't look like you had ever been in a boxing ring prior to that night. It was it was bad. It was like I could have done the same performance, basically stepping into the. Ring, so. so is Thor um, hurting pay per view numbers by putting on these demonstration fights beforehand? Mm, I'd say so. I haven't seen his demonstration fights, mm. but that's definitely a way to hype. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Is Thor, oh, sorry. It, it hurting uh, pay-per-view sales uh, by his demonstration fights because there's nothing particularly inspiring amongst that. Like the, the, mm. when you when you see him technically, mm. uh, he doesn't move very well. As I was saying, he doesn't have any snap. There doesn't he doesn't seem to be able to access his power. Mm. Um, is would it have been better off if he hadn't publicised and and televised those? demonstration fights beforehand mm. and maybe just stayed in the gym and turned up on the night and I, th I think it, I think it builds interest I think that, okay. that if people are going to see it and they're going to look at the, the demonstration fight even if he doesn't look great they're still going to watch that him versus Eddie Hall that's that's the story that okay. you've got mm. there regardless I mean he could have 50 amateur fights and and look terrible in all of them I'll still watch you still, <laughs> still want the pay yeah because it's like that's that's the that's the event is that it's based around that all mm. the external stuff is just those little extra little okay well we've seen him do some striking we've seen him do some fights da, 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 da. but this is what the actual thing is so that's the thing mm. i want to see so 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 when we invert it and say is there an opportunity then for legitimate boxers mm. To challenge maybe social media stars that think they're boxers. Or <laughs> I would MMA do that guys. to a lot of social media influencers. <laughs> give them a knock and see uh, what they're still promoting afterwards. <laughs> um, so is that is is that a legitimate pathway in the future? Is that something? Well, I think I mean to gain attention. So I know for me as an athlete and in my previous sports, the more kind of following you have as an athlete, obviously this is a fact. Um, the more you can gain sponsorships and mm. for sports where you make no money, so my previous Olympic sport, mm. um, that's actually your living or that's the the only kind of physical benefit that you, okay, apart from being fit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the only tangible benefit that you get from, from all the time that you put in. Yeah. What I was actually thinking before is maybe, you know, WWE, I think mm. the fights that we are seeing to me, I think an it, they are comparable with WWE. Yeah. There's a predicted outcome or there's a set outcome. And to me, that's not a real fight. That's not real boxing. Mm. But maybe we should make a boxing league. Mm. And that is 
the WWE for boxing so that we don't see these things being called a boxing match. Mm. But maybe that's what an exhibition match is. Maybe the whole maybe. time exhibition is really that fake league of boxing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I definitely feel that the exhibition is staged in such way as to make both athletes look perhaps better than what they actually are, uh, mm. you know, and, and maybe with, Without that, um, they wouldn't be worth watching in the first place. But it is that X factor, and, and maybe it is the same thing with uh, with WWE. Yes, the results predetermined, but the audience doesn't know, mm. and so the intrigue is still there. Mm. Um, and what we're waiting to see is who's going to get knocked out, who's going to get hit out of the ring, who who who, what, what's going to happen, mm. um, and maybe some of that's diminished if we didn't think it was real, like. I, I was one of those heartbroken Definitely. kids that found out <laughs> oh. that the WWE wasn't real because for years, what are you talking for about? Years, they, Vince McMahon said it was real. <laughs> it, is, it is real. What? The Undertaker's never been beaten. <laughs> um, but you know, it, I think I think we'll see more of it, and I think it'll be good um, for sports just generally because it, it keeps the conversations going around some of these traditional sports like uh, heavyweight boxing in Australia certainly isn't in a purple patch at the moment, but then Paul Gallen comes along. And, uh, yes, he got called a donkey uh, the other day by his opponent's father, but uh, as Paul Gallen said, I'm the donkey that's making your son relevant. And your son's the heavyweight champion of Australia and he's not relevant unless Mm -hmm. I'm in the ring. Uh, And I think that's really powerful. And I I think Paul Gallen's going to earn every cent in that fight. I think he's bringing all the attention to it mm. and there would be a fraction of the people either buying the pay-per-view or buying a ticket uh, turning up if it wasn't Paul Gallen standing in the ring. Absolutely. Well, yeah. that's, the, that's the rise of the internet in the last you know 20 years or even the last 10 years where people are able to now go and create their own content and become mm. stars in their own field that they choose to, to look at. So, I mean, if you load up YouTube, you can look at whatever interest you have, there will be a subculture of stuff you can find, you know, skateboarding or if it's mm. boxing or if it's, you know, um, arm wrestling or anything. And it's like, these are your characters in this field and people can go on and actually generate interest and create content that, that is based around what their interest is. So they can mm. build an audience in their own field as opposed to, you know, say even 30 years ago, maybe 25 mm. years ago where it had to be on a mainstream uh, you know, TV channel or something yeah. um, to be featured for people to even know that it existed. So, uh, you know, if it wasn't at the Olympics or something like that, it's sort of like, well, this sport disappears after, for f- four years, it's not heard of again, mm. and then it's it's on for yeah. five seconds in between swimming and, and track yeah. Um, yeah. at the Olympic event. But uh, to be able to say, okay, like for arm wrestling for me, it's like, well, I can put videos out every single day and we have some great matches at our club and, you know, some awesome back and forth stuff with interesting characters and, uh, you know, build build hype and build storylines and, and have rankings and stuff like that, that an audience can come and see it and, and start to know who we are and, and what we're about. Mm. Uh, and if I was trying to do that, say, 25 years ago, it'd be like, mate, no one's ever going to put your stuff on TV. Like, that's mm. there's, you're never going to be able to show this to anybody. You know, you'd be filming it with a camera and making a video at home that, on a VHS and no one would see it. But mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the ability to be able to put content out that is accessible by the world, uh, you know, it's just made such a massive in- impact. So for somebody like Jake Paul, like uh, Logan Paul, who have built this culture or this following um through i don't know what they originally started with just random i don't know what the YouTube channel is but i don't yeah. even know yeah. <laughs> random right. shit yeah. for lack of a better word I'm sorry yeah, maybe maybe pranks or maybe yeah, whatever that, they were yeah, doing yeah. and yeah. but they they were able to say okay well, this is what we want to do we want to make um, a channel we're going to put content out we're going to be interesting we're going to be crazy this is our personalities we're going to get people watching and build an audience from it and whatever millions of subscribers they have now. And it's like, mm. okay, well, we have this base audience which we created. Um, now the thing we want to do now is to go into boxing or we want to go here mm. or, you know, that that's the next step that they want to take. Um, and for, you know, somebody to take up that match and then step in the ring with them, it's sort of like, well, you can see the justification of it where it, you know, you've got an audience there that wants to see something that that has been created by these people through a, a different 
outlet mm. uh, as opposed to the traditional mainstream audience where it's like, okay, maybe these people went pure boxing mm. and they fought on local cards and then they built their way up through the ranks for years until they were able to fight as a professional and then, you know, get into the Las Vegas or whatever or, you know, get the athletic commissions and, and that, that sort of thing on side. Yeah. Um, so they went that route, that traditional route, and then they're seeing somebody else sort of do it another way. I don't think that it's wrong to have done it the other way. It's just like there's two, there's, there's multiple ways to get to the end destination. So and, and that's one, fair. And, that and one way is a new way, and, and I guess a, a purist like you is he might be a, a little bit upset that these people are queue jumping. Not just a little bit. <laughs> uh, completely furious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that these people are queue jumping. Yeah, I'm ready to fight. Jake Paul. Yeah, no, I challenge Jake and Logan right. Paul to the right ring. Now. Oh, fucking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. That's a challenge. Someone send them a DM. There you go. After Ronda Rousey, of course. Oh yeah. So, uh, so, but I mean, there, there, there's, uh, you've got. We now live in a world where social clout matters, and uh, selling tickets matters more than anything else. Selling pay per views matters more than anybody. And people that come from a content creation background kind of understand story better than athletes do. And if you've got a, if you've got a bit of clout, and you're also really talented, um, I guess therein lies the opportunity for you to make uh, good money in sports. Um, because the attention's there and people want to follow the story to the end. They want to see you knocked out or they want to see your hands raised high. Either way, they want to see what happens. Um, and does anybody really care about a couple of mid-level proficient professional boxers on an undercard? Mm. Probably not. Um, would we be prepared to watch a, a lower-level fight between two people that we that have got 5 million followers each and where there's a, you know, there's a, there's, there's a bit of a spat going on. Yeah, I think people are inclined to. Uh, mm. I think they'll pay money to see it, as a matter of fact. Um, mm. So I, I think we'll just keep seeing more and more of this, much to Izzy's frustration, unfortunately. <laughs> 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 I'll just be fuming watching yeah. this happen. Well, you are a purist, and, and perhaps you can share with the audience as to yeah. why that is, because you've really dedicated your life to sports. Mm. Um, perhaps uh, share with us a little bit about your journey into sports and what got you started and uh, where you've been and where you're going. Yeah, well, um, where where it started when I was four years old, I got to hold the uh, I've forgotten the name of it. Oh, the, the Olympic cool Olympic thing. thing. No, I don't actually think I knew what that was at that point in time. But everyone was having a huge fuss about this Olympic thing that was going. So on. how did how did that come about? Well, one my sister's best friend had a heart issue, and she was able to hold. She did part of the walk when it came to Adelaide for huh. the Sydney Olympics. Huh. Yeah, Raf was cool. her name. If you're hearing this, Raph, I love you still. <laughs> yeah, she, I had a photo with her. I wish I could find that photo. Um, what actually happened for me is I loved sports as a young kid. I loved it. Um, but I had two car accidents when I was pretty young. Um, the first one after that, I was told you can't do PE. Oh. So I used to sit and watch all of my friends do PE and I wasn't able to do anything, even like the drama class we had in junior school. I couldn't do, you know, like space jump or... So you were told uh, never? You you went and Not never, but just while I was recovering. Yeah. So I actually think now having done one year of medicine and done a bit of physio and other subjects, I think I was given the wrong, told the wrong thing, which is a bit mm. annoying, but it is what it is and it made me who I am. I could, I'm grateful for the experience, I guess. Um, after I just recovered from that, I was just back joining PE and everything. <laughs> like I think it was within a year or maybe just shy of a year. I had a second car accident oh, wow. <laughs> just when everything was going fine. And that Incredible. one was worse, yeah. Oh. Uh, and I was told again, you can't do PE, you can't join in. What, um, what were your injuries? It was my my back and my neck. Wow. Um, but the second time I had my school bag in front of me, so I did my knee. Um, the second time we were turning right and we got slammed from the back. Oh. Yeah, uh, that wasn't too good. Um, but... The actual injuries were like just your general disc things, mm. which shouldn't stop you. They shouldn't stop you, mm. you know. And the fact that I was told you can't just—I was just told. Yeah. You know, I was told by my parents. I was told by my physio. I was told by like medical. Yeah. You can't do these things. Yeah. And that was as a strength and conditioning coach mm. and doing what I do now. That was terrible advice, especially because if you do have injuries like that, you should be moving. You should be swimming. You should be walking. You know, there's always, I tell everyone who's injured, find what you can do 
and do it. Like I did a pretty bad injury a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't even do swimming. The only thing I could do was chain myself to a seat and use the arm cycle. That was the one thing. I couldn't do anything, but I found what I could do and I could do it. Anyway, long story short. Um, so for me, I actually think that they were really defining years for me because I think the inability to participate at that age meant I wanted, wanted to it do more. it so <laughs> I remember when the Sports Institute came for, like, the Talent ID Day and obviously, you know, as I said, like I missed out on pretty good developmental years being told that and not doing anything. So I didn't do – obviously it was average, probably didn't do well. I was average. I was totally average at sports at school, yeah. you know, obviously. <laughs> but, but love sport. But I loved it. I fucking loved it. I loved Olympic stories. I loved seeing stories about people who, you know, just kept going until they won Olympic gold medals and that sort of thing. I really loved it. Um, story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always a good story. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think what happened for me was I was really shockingly bad at the school cross country. <sighs> and I mean shockingly bad. Like, you know, everyone was like, everyone used to walk it and that sort of thing. I'd probably still come last if everyone was walking. <laughs> so anyway, I was sick of coming last. I was sick of being shit at sport. So I said, oh, fuck this. You know, I'm going to teach myself how to run. And I became the fourth best runner in South Australia for my age group. Incredible. I taught myself how to run, you know, like I didn't have... What, what did you do to teach yourself how to run? Well, let me tell you. A lot okay. of Googling. <laughs> yeah. But actually, this is the best workout ever. This is this was the main workout, I think, that just got my cardio up that, that well. It was 200 metres as fast as possible on the treadmill with 100 metres walking mm-hmm. as recovery. I did that five times. That was one set. And mm-hmm. then I did, I think, three sets. Mm-hmm. I think the recovery between sets was maybe 200 meters or something it was usually until i got to a certain number that was even you know just because that looks nice (laughs) (laughs) um and i reckon just doing those sessions um is probably what gave me my speed and so i'm huge in my coaching uh, on high intensity interval training Mm. um because i think if you want to get fit fast that's the best thing you can do aerobically especially at the moment i recently identified again my cardio is not good I just love weights more than that. So uh, I've been I've been trying to convince myself to go back to that. Anyway. <laughs> it might happen. It may happen. Yeah. So that was the main workout. So I taught myself how to run, got fit, did rowing, loved rowing. Then finally, when I was about 19, I saw on Facebook the Australian Institute of Sport is looking for um, – older athletes, older being 19, I think I was 19 at the time, um, who'd missed out on that because they usually draft people or put them into state sports institutions when they're like 13 to 15. Mm. So I'd miss that opportunity, right? But I'd, as, as we know, just when you're a sports lover, you're just always thinking Thanks. about it, right? And then, um, yeah, I saw this opportunity on Facebook. I saw an ad come up and it was like they were looking for athletes who'd reached at least a state level, which I'd done with my running. And they would draft them into sports to try and make the Tokyo Olympics. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, yeah, so I went for that. Um, you got to nominate three sports. I put down combat number one, <laughs> cycling number two, and canoeing number three. Oh. Um, and then they were to look at your uh, physicality and psychology to work out um, what you were most suited to. Mm. So because of my rowing experience, I think that's why, but also maybe I know my arms are longer than my body, but also that'd be beneficial for combat, maybe mm. not cycling. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I got put into canoeing, oh. canoe sprint, which is a sport um, I thought it, I assumed it was kayaking Yeah. Um, because that's I'd never heard of the sport in oh. my life, oh. which is what Matt was saying is sometimes there are sports on um, at the Olympics, which you see for five seconds between <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> between swimming and well, athletics. And this was pool. one of them. Yeah, yeah, this was one of them. <laughs> um, and so that's where, it all, that's where it all started. That's where my professional sports career started. My high-level sports started there. So I went from that. I was put straight into the sports institution, straight into the state sports institution and training with people who'd been there since they were like 13. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, then just was training in my whole life revolved around trying to make the Tokyo Olympics pretty much for the last four years. What What is uh, the canoeing, what, what is the competition side of it that you have to do in an event? So there's a 200-metre sprint and a 500-metre sprint for oh. women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the – I really enjoyed the C1-200. That was uh, so much fun. Just 40, oh, 40 seconds is, like, pretty damn good. <laughs> I think I was getting around 50, like 50. Wow. Yeah, and um, – 
yeah, my friend actually just qualified from Croatia. I just found out getting 50 seconds flat. Wow. Yeah, so she's just qualified for Tokyo, which is pretty exciting. All right. Yeah. That's and awesome. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so C1 um, 200 and C2 500 are the Olympic events for women. Yeah. All right. And it's a, it's a straight race. You just. Oh, bang. you straight. <laughs> straight and as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's yeah, that's awesome. a sport. That's a sport. And I loved it. I did really, I did really love it. I loved the feeling of being out on the water. Um, I liked how odd it was. It was so different. Mm-hmm. Like you're on one knee, you know, you're uh-huh. paddling on, yeah, you're paddling on one side. People hmm. are always like, do you swap sides? I'm like, no, that's <laughs> that's, <the side. laughs> that's probably why I always yeah, that's the face, yeah. Um, that's that's now, why, yeah, yeah, that's why I got so many injuries, you know, like even you can hear my shoulder, I bring it close to the mic, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh Ooh. yeah, that's my shoulder, that's from canoeing, yeah. <laughs> Cause it's so it's obviously one sided, so you never even out mm. at any point. It's not it's not like kiking where you just paddle on both sides. No. I'm like confused. My mental image of a canoe Let- is must be a kayak. What's the difference here? It ain't a kayak. See, this is the best thing about like indefinitely stepping away from canoe is I no longer have to explain what it is. <laughs> and everyone knows boxing. I'm just like, boxing, yeah. oh, yeah, boxing, oh, oh yeah. yeah, you're a boxer. You know, when I'd be uh, do canoe sprint, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did canoeing at camp once. <laughs> I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> um, so a canoe is a very skinny boat. Like, it's it's skinnier than this mat right here. Wow. Um, like, the widest part of my boat would have probably been about that wide. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, you are you have your knee in a knee block which is made of foam it's pretty funny I was looking at ways to like do 3D printing and make like a technological advancement in the sport wow. <laughs> because yeah because for the past like the 50 wing years, keel of yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah because for the last 50 years what people do is you get a foam you buy a block of foam and then you just outline your knee and you cut it. <laughs> That's what everyone does. That's what the world champions do. And then you sand it. That's your knee block. Wow. Customised to your knee. <laughs> and I was thinking, God, I'd love to, like, market some sort of thing, but it never happened. But <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyway, so you have it's very one, niche. Very yeah. niche. <laughs> yeah, for do. probably about, what, like 2,000 competitors <laughs> who know how to canoe. The thing about canoeing is no one does it because you fall out for the first three months. If you've got no... <laughs> If you've got no paddling experience, I can't see anyone wanting to or anyone who doesn't want to try and make it to the world stage to be committed enough to, to stay and learn how to not fall out. So what made you want to do it? I mean, this, it was this sounds only, like a horrible sport. Look, <laughs> yeah, look, uh, having done it for that long, I, I think it's fairly accurate, actually. Um, you know, I mean, it's a great feeling when you're on the water, when you go fast and when you're sprinting, when you have a good start, it feels incredible even though it's a very odd movement as I said like to finish off you're basically in a lunge position and you have an A-frame and you paddle like that on one side hmm. so you never swap and you do a thing called a J-stroke to stay straight right? can you show me a photo of it or something yeah yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, like it's getting more elaborate yeah, yeah. yeah I look up canoe I'm think I've started with a canoe like the Just, kayak it's, it's and now it's gone kayak. to kneeling on a kayak Here, so this, <laughs> this is a photo of a this is a uh, let me show you the German he's one of the best that's Brendel he's one of the best okay okay oh, right. so when you go fast it's fun mm. I'll say that <laughs> Yeah, we can plug it into here. That's okay, cool. we're gonna we're gonna we'll plug it in. Oh, you're gonna so plug it in. Oh, jeez, I hope no messages. No one sent me a message right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send these message right now if you're watching live. Uh, you can see that, okay? Okay. So uh, what what we're looking at is an image of uh, a guy with his knee and a knee block uh, yeah. that he made himself out of foam. Uh, <laughs> out of foam. Uh, he doesn't look so happy to be out in the water, though. Like, it wasn't quite... He's concentrating. Yeah. Yeah, he's I guess he's focused. focusing. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to do uh, the 250 seconds. He's trying to work out how to stay <laughs> he'd straight. he for, like, 30 to 40. Wow. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is a, a really quirky sport. Uh, but So this is quirky the... Quirky is the word. The, the, <laughs> so the Institute kind of steered you in that direction because they felt that was your best chance of... I don't know uh, why uh, the fuck they did. <laughs> <laughs> they just threw a dart at the dartboard and went, uh, yeah, can <laughs> <laughs> so what are the lessons that you learned from doing this that you've brought over to boxing? I learned a lot. Mm. And at the end of the day, there are a few great things to come from it. Mm. And the best thing was that I continued. You know, at the moment I'm doing a push-up challenge for mental health awareness and 
I was reflecting on mental health and in high level sport and all that. And I realized for the four or five years I did canoeing, I'd say like 80% of that time, I didn't enjoy the sport. Hmm. Yeah. So why did I keep going? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So for me, like I didn't enjoy training. Hmm. I didn't enjoy racing. I was not happy doing it. But I'd been given a scholarship to make the Tokyo Olympics and everything I did was A, to I felt like I had to give back mm. and B, I wanted to reach my goal. And the best thing I did is even though I look back and I can say a lot of that time it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get on the water mm-hmm. and, you know, it wasn't like that a lot of the time, mm. um, was I can look back and say I know that I gave it my absolute best. I did mm. everything I could. I overtrained. That was actually to my detriment, if that's the right word. That was yeah. that was what perhaps helped me back, was mm. especially in my earlier years. I was doing three sessions a day when I was meant to be doing two, especially mm. just starting out. So I got so many injuries. And then on top of that, when you're in like a negative training environment that doesn't suit you, you're also at a greater risk of injury. So I, that was just unfortunate, but it is what it is. So what was the what was the effect on your mental health then, and and how do you reflect upon that retrospectively? I can't believe that I did what I did. I really can't. What age, what age were you at the time? Like 19, 20, 21, okay. 22, you know. Yeah. And uh, I've just been reflecting on it a lot recently because I'm doing a sports psychology subject, and I thought, how the hell did no one see how I was? Yeah. I don't know whether I was just really good at putting on a smiley face. Everyone always says I'm positive. Yeah. But um, looking back at it, it was pretty bad, actually. Um, by that I mean, um, you know, I was burnt out mm. by overtraining and everything, and I just don't know. <laughs> I just really don't know how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have um, coaches that recognised that sign of things or they were just purely there for the technique and sport and they didn't uh, have that sort of psychological training behind them? No, it's it's funny because even I think when I had – so, no. So, number one, I don't think any of my coaches ever did recognise anything or ever say anything, ever. The only coach who did was my strength and conditioning coach um, and he was a great support. In fact, why did I keep going? I'd say a large – Part of that was being at the sports institution and having the opportunity to go to the gym. That's why I'm always strong because I love training with all these athletes from different sports, you know, like the cyclists, the hockey players, fantastic people all going towards their goals. A lot of them, like most of the people I've trained with, have made the Olympics or at least made Tokyo, you know. Mm. Um, so I think there was a bit of a, um acknowledgement there. Um, when I did a pretty bad injury and I was out on the water, out of the water, oh no, <laughs> out from being on the water for about <laughs> six months, um, that was the one time that I was offered a uh, sports psychologist help. Mm. I think we had one session. I can't even remember. Wow. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and that is what it is. But I'm grateful because I guess in terms of what can I take from that to boxing is um, kind of being really aware of not getting too involved in the goal that I let my mental or physical health go. That's Mm. a big one for any athlete, any athlete in any sport. Don't be so um, focused on your goal that you – that you kill yourself for it. There's no point. Yeah. You won't be happy when you get there. Working smarter, not harder. Yeah, definitely. That's a big one. It seems to be a a trend in a lot of sports or a lot of – Things I see, uh, I'm working in a gym at the moment. Mm. So people come in, uh, especially New Year's resolutions. Oh, <laughs> every January. Absolutely. Every gym I'm at, there's so many people That's coming in right. January. And they, they come in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're usually gone by February. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the reason being, or the main reason being, is that they realise oh, they'll, they'll put in a, a, a ton of hard work to start with mm. and they'll burn out or they'll get injured quickly. Uh, or they'll realise... This is hard work. Sure. This is yeah. not easy and it requires a lot of discipline and sacrifice and, you know, all the things that go with being good at anything. Um, and health is one of those things. So you can sort of see that trend there when people say, okay, this is your goal. And if you're the case, mm-hmm. they're like, we want to get you to the Olympics. We're going to mm-hmm. pay for you, you know, a scholarship yep. and these are the benefits. We're relying on mm-hmm. you and you have that mm-hmm. accountability mm-hmm. like I I uh, owe them this or I, yeah. I need to the obligation. do the obligation. Obligation, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, to, to 
push yourself beyond the limits and it's like mm-hmm. you could almost see so many athletes doing that where it's like to be able to have a, a coach or somebody that is recognizing well i'm going to hold you back a little bit so mm. you can recover it's like mm. we're going to go hard here and then we're going to recover and we're going to go hard mm. here and we're going to recover mm. we're not just going to go 100 percent hard all the time mm. because mm. you will a burn out b be exhausted all the time mm. or see you get injured and it's what happens <laughs> and fall out of love with the sport That's maybe right. sport yeah. all together yeah well it's funny i had a, a experience recently where um which i'll talk about in a future podcast <laughs> i can't wait you guys are gonna love this <laughs> you're gonna love it i can't talk about it yet but when i talk about it you're gonna be like oh damn. i hate it when people do that i'm sorry i'm sorry guys but trust me it's a good one but in this in this life experience i came out of that life experience having had someone who is an incredible human being being an incredible person tell me i think you should i think you should consider going back to canoe to hear this from from them was like maybe did i just kind of leave that sport because of like the bad environment and because of the burnout and because of all of that when at the end of the day my results were always improving and from someone who had no experience at all in high level sport let alone in a canoe or kayak sport I think I actually did really well and I am yeah. really proud of that. And it's and I always forget that until I look at my times and I'm like, oh wait, I was getting better. <laughs> I was doing a good job. No one ever told me you're doing a good job. Yeah, really. Never. But- it was my last race when a guy came up and said, Hey Izzy, that was a good race. That was like one of the first times I had someone say, so Well done. Is that a culture within the sport? Yes, do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's hmm. just the way it was. Hmm. So do you do you think a, a lot of these experiences that you've had a, a, as a as an athlete? You're you're now taking on board as you're studying and trying. Are you are you seeking to develop strategies for people so they don't experience the same thing? Hundred percent. As a yeah. coach, I tell everyone, especially um, one of my friends, she's a rower turned cyclist, mm. and I just want to give her all the advice and the things that I didn't know. I think, and that's something I'd love to share with every athlete because. One of the biggest things looking at it is I came in as an older athlete at 19 with no experience about what were the expectations for me. I didn't have an induction into SASE. You know, I didn't have an induction into the sports institution to say, this is what we expect of you or this is what you have to do. Here's a protocol for if you're feeling like this. Here's a protocol for injury. This is, you know, this is how training works. You'll be training this day, this day, never Whereas knowing that stuff, I think, is something which will help any younger athlete or mm. and also to identify things when they're not going right. Mm. I had no idea. I didn't have any anyone in my life who could tell me those things, you know, mm. uh, and I didn't know to, what questions to ask because I wasn't even aware of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like um, it's a bit of a lonely life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sport is. Yeah. Sport is. And uh, people are constantly say to me, oh, you know, boxing's a very lonely sport and I just think about canoeing and I'm like, and yet when I rock up into a boxing gym, it's like a family. Or even when I came to arm wrestling, it was like it is a family, you guys, and it's a different culture. So to me, even though it's an independent sport, um, I've noticed in combat sports that Mm. every gym is a family and that's, uh, to me, that's so much more, I don't know, what's the opposite of lonely? (laughs) Um, In company, that's so much more full of heart. I say that's so much more full of heart to me, than my experience was in canoeing. And that's my experience, you know. I think had I had a family member who, you know, did canoeing, maybe it would be different. Mm. Mm. Do you think one of the main reasons of that in terms of um, the difference between those sorts of sports Mm. uh, is the physicality that you have to do with with another person? You are relying on that other person to keep you safe, to not harm you, to, you know, yes. support you, to teach you physically, you know, and with arm wrestling, you are literally grabbing hold of the other person's arm and the first thing you're doing, you're, hello, nice to meet you, here, put your over here and let's have an arm wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight away you're yeah. into it. Uh, yeah. Whereas you can sort of feel, you know, who, who has the strength, what they're doing, you can feel the techniques and you can teach them to get better and, and they're teaching you things uh, and it sort of goes that way where you're, you're all sort of working together to, to get better. Whereas you could say something with, with canoeing or with running or swimming and it's like it's so individualised because mm. it is just you and the mm. race. and yeah. You know, yeah. So, you know, yeah. with weightlifting or something, it's like, well, you either pick it up or you don't. Like, it's just... The weight doesn't care. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the weight is indifferent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so to go out and beat the time or beat the 
you know the weight requirement or whatever mm. the sport is or to go and beat another person physically i think that, that was mm. one of the differences is that i've noticed anyway yeah and like you said i mean it's a boxing gym or arm wrestling gym everyone knows each other mm. you, you mean the difference between you know i mean i've been training in the gym for, for 20 years um and you know you say hello to people and it's nice to say you know uh, feel welcomed or whatever but um because you're just lifting weights, like there's no... It's an individual pursuit. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And even training with someone, like they're lifting it, now I'm lifting it, now they're <laughs> lifting it, now I'm lifting it. Yeah. Whereas with arm wrestling, it's, you know, it's like, well, let's go, you know, let's, let's have, you know I'm feeling what you're doing, you're doing this and... It's much uh, more intimate. Absolutely, mm. yeah. yeah, for sure. And you're relying on the other person to be there, so it, it makes a difference. I'd mm. agree with that, and um, I was really lucky to to meet uh, Taylor Ford. Do you guys know Taylor Ford? No. Oh, my gosh, I'm a huge fan of hers. Okay. I'm very grateful to call her my friend. Um, <laughs> so she is a wrestler from New Zealand <laughs> who recently moved to Adelaide. And she Roman won, Greco or professional? Uh, or? Uh, amateur, okay. freestyle. Okay. I think she's freestyle. Yeah. Um, and she won, I believe, bronze at the Commonwealth Games. Oh. And I'm not sure which Commonwealth Games. What was before Gold Coast? Oh, cool. Commonwealth in, Games. Was it in India? I think it was Delhi. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. I think perhaps, yeah. Yeah, good guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's go with that. Well, yeah. she won that. Um, I'm really lucky I got to do some wrestling with her. I really enjoy wrestling, actually. It's great fun. Mm. If I wasn't doing boxing, I'd love to do that, even just for general It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's so physical. Yeah. It is. Um, and I, as soon as I met her, um, I just said to her, you know what, like, you were so awesome. <laughs> like, you know, she's such a like, awesome down-to-earth person. I'm like, you know what I've noticed is why do you think in combat sports every combat athlete I've met has been this incredible human mm. being, even you, you guys all sitting here around the table, really, I'd say, down-to-earth, respectful and, you know, and, and strong also. Mm. Um, and she said her explanation was that, there's no ego in combat sport, mm. aside from Jake Paul and Logan Paul. <laughs> um, there's, there's no ego. Well, they're, they're the pinnacle. <laughs> they're the pinnacle of ego. But there's no ego in combat sports because you're constantly getting, you know, yes, you're getting punched, you're getting thrown, you're getting your arms, yeah. you know, moved or broken. Um, you're getting your biceps broken. You know? I, I, I think that's. I do think that's the case in the interpersonal, and mm. and you know that whatever ego might there might be there gets played out in the ring or in the octagon or or in the cage. I, I my my feeling is is that when you've got people that are getting punched in the face at practice, it, there's this humility that comes along with that and that transcends the rest of your life that uh you don't get in other you're not going to get that in golf mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or tennis. Or tennis and or tennis so. is the home of a few big egos. Yeah. Mm. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but you don't find it on a BJJ mat. No, exactly. Well, that's mm. it. I mean, with arm wrestling, you're going to lose thousands and thousands of times before you start getting good at it. Mm. And it's like you can't lose that much and think you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, and to be beaten not only like in a race or, you know, in a in a weightlifting competition, but you have been physically dominated mm. or, or beaten by the other person has, has beaten you. Mm. So, you know. Otherwise, you're just delusional. you got your own mental health yeah, issues right. to deal that's with. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. for real. Yeah. No, for real. I think it's a really interesting topic and I think, I think you're right. I think you guys are right. For me, like, that's been my experience coming from a completely different type of sport into moving into combat sports was – that was one of the first things I noticed is how come like, everyone is like this? There's like an aurora. And for me, 100%, it's the values. It's like respect amongst everything and that kind of maybe comes with the humility. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, you certainly learn that. I, I, I figure I'm a pretty strong guy. I've been weight training for most of my adult life. I'm about 100 kilos and nice. probably a little bit in the wrong, <laughs> wrong place. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a strong guy. And uh, I stroll into the arm wrestling training room and uh, you'll have guys there that are 75 kilos that look like sticks and then all of a sudden your arm's going over and, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense and you don't want to play anymore but then you want to work it out yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you want to come back. Absolutely. Um, but uh, you, you can't certainly walk in with an ego and expect to, to um, you know, be king of the table. Uh, there was recently an example of yeah. a, a young chap that came into the club 
Uh, perhaps you want to share that one. Oh, as we move I'm this kind is of the, excited. This is our yeah. <laughs> humility story. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Every, every now and then, you probably any time you tell somebody about arm wrestling, and they they love to bring up the fact that they've never lost an arm wrestle. And we, we that was we, me. <laughs> oh my god, it's crazy you say this. No way. I got to I got to cut in here. Sorry, I got to cut in here. When I was at school, I was unbeaten in arm wrestling. I beat uh, all the guys because my grandma, my mom, always told me that my grandma was good at arm wrestling. So uh, uh. my thing used to be arm wrestling. Every opportunity, every party, everything, I would challenge right. people. Awesome. I was also unbeaten. <laughs> I can't, it was only year 12. No, some guy beat me in year 12 and he didn't understand why I was so devastated. I'm like, you're the first person to beat me. Yeah, no, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing is that people might have some success against their friends or, you know, in the pub or whatever, um, against people who, who, who are also amateurs or don't understand what they're doing. But you know, there's so much with the techniques and, and movements and positioning and everything else that comes with it that, you know, just yeah. des- destroys the other person's strength. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we had a guy, he might be watching, he's a lovely guy <laughs> right. and yeah. uh, and I kind of thought a little bit like him when I walked in the room. I just right. didn't say it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that was the mistake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I think that, yeah, every now and then you get somebody with a bit of an ego that comes in and says, I haven't been beaten in years and I can beat any everyone and let's have a go. He actually said that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mistake number one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's only to be beaten by literally everybody in the pod, <laughs> <laughs> including somebody who was like 62 kilos also beat him as well. Uh, that's yeah, funny. it's great. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is. It's fantastic. The, because it's the lesson in humility. Exactly. That's why it's great. That's yeah, right. That's the moral of the story. And whether he comes back or not. That's, I hope that's he does. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, <laughs> I mean, he's welcome back. He's yeah. welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> he should bow as he enters. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, if you've got that attitude and you say, well, I'm awesome at this thing I've never done and it's just, you know, recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, no matter what it is, like if, you know, canoeing or if it's mm. boxing or if it's whatever, if you go in there going, oh, I'm a 10-time Taekwondo champion, I can box everyone here. And yeah. it's like, okay, we'll step in the ring. <laughs> well, you, you, you kind of went the other way, though. Like right. you, you stepped onto the arm wrestling table first time and arm wrestled maybe one one of the two or three greatest arm wrestlers of all time. How did yeah. that go? How did oh, you feel? Was great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Back. Tell me this story. I haven't heard this story before. Uh, um, Let's go. So, do you know who Devin Larratt is? The name sounds familiar, oh, but you're going to have to tell Devin me. Right, we're going to yes, get a photo. I'd that, like yeah. some photo, please. Let <laughs> me see an image. So, okay. Devin Larratt is probably, probably one of the most popular arm wrestlers in the world at the oh, moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tall guy. He's a Canadian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, used to be uh, in the Special Forces in the Canadian military. Sick. Yeah, no, I'd love to join the Special Forces. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let's have a look. Uh, so th- that's an old photo of Devon. I'll, I'll bring it up for the audience as well. He's but, still got his long hair. Uh, I thought I saw no, highlights of him without long hair. He, he, he did just showed a match. For, yeah, uh, for a match. So yeah. that's what he's looking yep, like yep. now. Yeah. Mm. So that's he, the guy. Yeah, so my... <laughs> for the audience. So I'd been watching you, um, arm wrestling on YouTube and stuff yeah. for a few years. Were uh, you in Adelaide at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and... Um, they he was coming through Australia. He he went to uh, the Melbourne. They had the Arnold Expo. He went oh, there, yeah. uh, and then he was doing some seminars at, at each of the capital cities. Um, and I saw it come up on the Facebook, and I was like, oh, I've got to go and and see that. Like mm. it's Devin Larratt. Like I'll never get this opportunity again. He's current world champion. <laughs> so so you were you were into arm wrestling. I was at watching this stage. it. You yeah. were watching it on YouTube. Hadn't done it. The before. gateway drug to arm wrestling. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake Paul, and then it was. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so he was running a seminar. It was absolutely ages away. It was like three hours drive somewhere. I was like, mm, but I, thought, I, I won't get the yeah. opportunity. Went anyway. Went out there. He was awesome. Um, you know, explained a few things about technique, which went over my head. I'd never done it before. Um, but then he spent the next four hours arm um, wrestling every single person there, hmm. That's and awesome. and beating everybody like it was you know, the, a kid versus their dad sort of thing. Wow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, my first time getting on the table was against Devin Larratt, world champion, and uh, I think it went two minutes. I, and, but the thing for me, I, everyone else that went against him and everyone I've seen in videos gives up. They, they, they push for mm. 20 seconds and then they can't move him and then they stop. 
Uh, and then the next person does the same thing. And I'm, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you legend. I'm that not. is awesome. I love that you picked his floor. You're like, how do I beat this guy? Yeah, yeah, like, watching, yeah, you're studying yeah, these yeah, reels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't. And it went, yeah, over two minutes. And he was oh, nice because yeah. I was doing <laughs> I was doing. I was, there was no pressure from what I was. I, I was bright red, you know, yeah. pushing as hard yeah. as I could. And he was he was casually chatting to somebody else. <laughs> at the same time and every now and then looking back at me going oh that's good no yeah <laughs> um, but then eventually he sort of moved it over you know oh, yeah. and i think he mercifully like got the yeah. pin there because he yeah. could see and he said oh yeah he's not giving up and i'm wow, like i'm not gonna good. give up mate i'm gonna keep trying and wow. uh yeah it was great and then that's amazing so was that your first arm wrestle first time you're yeah. joking it was great. Wow. Yeah, your first arm wrestle was like the world champ. It was like That's number right. one in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I wonder nice. if Devin remembers. Uh, I think he would. It's on YouTube. It's one of my, yeah, it's great. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun to do it. Uh, and then the guys that were running the club then, uh, well, Tim, uh, Graham, the Viking, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, he said, well, he'd come on to the club. Um, and it was literally in his shed. <laughs> it was in his like driveway, like the you know the roller the door. Floor. The roller yeah. door was it's up. Like and yeah, it was like two, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was two tables there, and and you know six people or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I went along and, and started doing it and enjoying it, and then gradually it started you know improving into something else, and then we sort of got the community center where we are now, uh, and. Yeah, it was. It really went. It really dipped for quite a, a, a long period. I think just before COVID started, you know, I was turning up to training, and, and I remember him, there was only one other person there. Uh, and yeah, I, it was still okay. It was, you know, it's still a thing, and I was still enjoying it and loving it. And the fact that I was still a beginner it didn't. It didn't matter who, you know, if this person knew anything more than I did. It was great because I could work on that thing, and they could teach me something. Um, and it wasn't until maybe the start of this year um, that Tim said, do you know, I want to take over running the club? Um, he sort of had been doing it for six or seven years, uh, had enough of the organising the events and that sort of thing. So I said, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do it. Um, and I've been making a few videos and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, since then, so, you know, we were getting maybe five, maybe eight people that were coming on to training at the start of the year. And now we're getting over 30. So That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a cool sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. it's good fun. And we've been, yeah. we've been pushing it everywhere we can. And, and, and what, do you, what do you think it has gotten popular? I mean, that's uh, that's pretty huge growth. Mm. Um, and what do you think will uh, continue to make it popular? Or do you... Do you think it's about to explode? Absolutely. Okay. Mm. Oh, I yeah. think so too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, is on the, it is right <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it's right at that point where it's about to go through the stratosphere. Um, you're seeing events like they had the event on, on the weekend. I'm sure it was um, uh, Devin Larratt. He went against Michael Todd. Um, and Larry Wheels, who has a big YouTube following and, you know, he's a massive bodybuilder and powerlifter and he'd been getting into arm wrestling for the last couple of years. Um, he put on an event and he put this mm. event on and it was could have been, you know, better in, in some sort of aspects, but it ran quite well. Um, had Devin Larratt and Michael Todd on board and it's probably the biggest watched event mm. in arm wrestling history. So, and, and it will continue to grow that way. You see, I mean, it, it's a massive sport in Europe. They have uh, some fantastic uh, arm wrestlers over there. There's, there's a little bit of a rivalry at the moment between two of the, the world organisations as to who's going to be the sort of breakout stars. Wow. And you've got with the European style is, like you were saying before, it's very the purest mm. sort of thing. You know, they're, they're very much just about the arm wrestling, um, very strict on the rules. Um, whereas, you know, the American style or the, what Larry Wheels is doing is a lot more of the showmanship sort of thing. You know, mm. You're trying to build that story. You're trying to have these characters. You're trying to mm. – that's the direction it has to go mm. for it to get to this next level. So I think <laughs> there's a guy who runs the European side of things, um, Igor, uh, and he yep. – Amazing I, name. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to try and pronounce his last name. <laughs> I think it's Mazarenko or something. Yeah, it's got a lot of letters. Mazarenko. Mazarenko. There you go. Um, he's not understanding that 
marketing aspect of it. Mm. Or if he does, he doesn't want to apply into it at all. Mm. Uh, he, he has his thing. He runs like a top eight tournament, you know, with his top guys. And mm. um, he has all these guys under contract so they can't compete anywhere else. But it's holding it back. It's holding the sport back. So, if, he, if he wants to really push it, um, he would be collaborating, collaborating with um, Devin Larratt, with, with Larry Wheels, with these guys who are bringing this massive audience mm. and attention to the sport. And if he doesn't, his, his league will be left in the dirt. It will be left behind. Is, it, is a little aching for listeners that aren't really onto arm wrestling to uh, the difference between the way test cricket used to be mm-hmm. before Kerry Packer got involved. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and this is yeah. this is where we're, I, and I think this is happening across <laughs> combat yeah. sports right now, you know, mm. where we're talking about influencers stepping into the ring or into the cage and we're, we're talking about uh, influencers. Uh, so Larry Wills, uh, mm-hmm. for those people that don't know who Larry Wills is, is probably one of the biggest fitness influencers in the world. Um He'll give anything a go. So it's a little bit like Izzy. He's a bit of a polymath. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what it is. He'll he'll jump in and and uh, and his channel is all about that. And uh, he collaborates with a lot of the the best athletes in the world. Wow, so he'll cool. gather them at his gym in Dubai. He's a is an American kid. He's only relatively young too. Mm-hmm. Like he's uh, what twenty six or twenty seven, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. maybe that old. Um, and uh, but he because he's got a million followers. Um, the best athletes in the world are happy to turn Might send up. him a DM. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. go challenge him to a fight maybe. Yeah, Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. Challenge him to an RS. <laughs> Hashtag Larry Wills. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so Larry, Larry's uh, uh, attracting this talent, um, appearing on his channel, building an even bigger audience and uh, manages just this weekend to put on the biggest show ever in arm wrestling history and he's not a league, he's not a federation, mm-hmm. he's not one of these governing bodies. Mm-hmm. He's just a kid with attention who's been able to focus it on arm wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he's one of these guys, who, I mean, he's, I think he's competed in an IFBB event. Um, he's competed in strongman. He's competed in uh, powerlifting mm-hmm. um, and uh, strict curl events mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and performed at a, maybe not at the, at a, at a world-class level most certainly, you know, maybe, maybe not. At, at the highest possible mm. level, but in a really quick, um, in, in a really short period of time, he's been able to get himself to a really high level by surrounding the best people, mm. being surrounded by the best people. And this weekend he's just gone and put on the biggest event in arm wrestling history wow. just because he's got attention. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so, so he built that platform, built that audience, um, and then he reached out to Michael Todd, Devin Lara, and said, I want to put this event on, and they were happy to come and do it because – there, there isn't that other side of it. Like the European League, if they wanted to, to have a similar thing, they would have to go through all the ranks of you know, competing in this one to qualify for that, to do this, to do that, to get the opportunity to go against this guy, to go against them, to build there. To, to, it's like that would take you know a year, two years to get to the same point. It's like, or you can go, well, I want to see you versus you. Mm. You guys want to do it? Let's put it together. You know, yeah. let's make it happen. And people weren't doing that. People were not doing that, and they're missing it. And <laughs> I'm seeing it going. Don't worry about. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get it happening myself. Like I want to do these sorts of things. So you know, to see Larry Wheels being able to put on, yeah, the biggest event that I've seen in, in arm wrestling history, mm. uh, you know, people paying money to see arm wrestling, you know. And and, wow. and the, the match had a backstory. It had mm. a backstory with a backstory. Mm. So the match was originally meant to be between the number one guy in the United States and the number one guy in Russia. So like well, That's Ro- a cool story. That's Rocky. That's Rocky. That's the storyline. And then the Russian guy, who's the bigger, stronger opponent, 170 kilos, just a gigantic Georgian Hulk, they call him, uh, he wimped out. I mean, let's just say it. He, he wasn't allowed to compete. Eagle wouldn't allow him to compete oh. against the number one guy in America. Yeah. People couldn't understand why because yeah. they thought this is one way that the Russians can prove their supremacy. And everybody anticipated that the, the Georgian Hulk uh, would win. And, uh, yeah, the match didn't go ahead. So... Devin Larratt stepped in mm-hmm. and said, I'll arm wrestle the number one guy. Now, Devin Larratt had stepped away from competition for a period of time. He'd had some health issues. And I think at the time of accepting the match, it was about 240 pounds at six foot five. Uh, by the time the match rolled around, and I think there was a, a couple of months in the mm-hmm. lead up, 
turns up at nearly 300 pounds, the biggest, strongest version of himself ever, and dominates the number one guy in the world. So it's pretty it's the story's cool Mm. it's not it's not that you got two athletes and one beat the other it's like there's this backstory with a backstory and that's where larry wheels won because he had the story to sell the pay-per-views um and this is where jake paul wins this is where paul gallon wins Uh uh this is where conor mcgregor wins Uh um so uh and and this may be why you'll fight with Ronda Rousey. <laughs> All right, guys. And Larry Wheel. Yeah. And Larry Wheel. Yeah, let's One do it. One after the other, I'd say. Right. Warm up and Same Ronda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, that would be the undercard of my, yeah. my fight yeah. night. Is his fight night. Yeah, Where I right. fight everyone in one night. <laughs> oh, that's right. You've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. With their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience, Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano, and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review, as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team.